0: A shared office or co-working space has become very popular recently for startups or small companies who don't want to rent their own office. Our listener Jeffrey Cheng founded Oosh, a co-working space provider, and he told Jimmy Lamb about the opportunities and the challenges that he faces in his business. Oosh was founded with a very simple reason, to be honest.
1: Um, We simply wanted to facilitate the growth of Hong Kong tech startups. That was our original idea and intention. Um, Then we started to think what would be a better way to do so and we figured perhaps building a physical platform would do and that's really how we got started. And how does it work because what kind of
2: services does it provide? Is it just the co-working space or something more I guess?
1: Um yeah I mean sometimes I mean the, the market some, somehow um, misinterprets us as really simply providing workspace right, right. but I I I take Ush as something more um we always believe that we are actually a catalyst. um we do provide hassle free um, you know working environment perks, work spaces um mm-hmm. That, you know, can enable them to um, just bring in their laptop and sit in and start working hassle-free. And we also would like to, you know, help them, or or I I would say facilitate them to, you know, um, communicate with each other a bit more so they can explore um, more business opportunities or collaborations. Um, That's really how I take my role is. uh, It's a bit more than just, you know, Giving it desk and chairs, yeah, <laughs> right. and you mentioned the tech startups, so are these the, the specific target
2: audience, or what kind of other companies do you target for for Oosh?
1: yeah, tech startups are our um, current um, majority of our members are tech startups. Um, we do have other businesses as well. We do have some trading offices in here. we do have some um, uh, um, you know design uh, companies in here. We also have some fashion brands in here. Um, This is somehow more because of where we are, where we are situated in, in, you know, like Chicago. Traditionally speaking, it's uh, textiles, fashion, sort of, district. Um, But yes, tech startup is our our major focus, and our majority, yeah, it takes up a majority of our members, yeah.
2: Right, and why
1: do they look for
2: uh, these tech startups, looking for co-working space, and what are the advantages do you bring to
1: them? Mm. Uh, just as I mentioned before, I believe they, they do want to look for um, a more flexible space, a flexible option. Because, um, you know, if you have experience renting a formal office in Hong Kong, you would know that you will need to sign, you know, a pretty long contract for at least a year or so. Um, You have to pay up a a decent amount of deposit, two months or three months at least. Um, And then you have to start, you know, getting your own Internet, getting your own photocopying machine, etc. So that's quite uh, time consuming and it takes up quite a lot of time and effort. Right. So. The reason why they want to be here, it's really to save all these, you know, time and costings. And also, we do provide a more flexible option, as in we don't have... We, we don't we don't require them to commit for at least a year. We do provide, you know, shorter-term options. They can stay here for a day, for a week, for a month. It's all up to them. Um, so I believe for tech startups, which, you know, they, they have to be lean. They often don't have a lot of budget until they finish their fundraising, right? So they have to... Um, you know, they they would appreciate what we provide. And um, so that's why you would see a lot of tax dollars will stay in co- a co-working space at the very beginning of, you know, their development. Right, so
2: fixed costs is the main target. And what about the consideration about privacy? Because uh, they sit together in open space, and what about um, if they uh, want to keep something secret?
1: <laughs> oh, I have to be honest with you that privacy, it's... Really a problem that we we cannot address a hundred percent I mean right. um, you know working in an open space is it's difficult well all we i mean the best we can do is to offer them you know meeting rooms phone booth so that they can have their you know private calls um, uh, conference calls inside um, but you know we just can't we, 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 there's nothing we can do right. so but so hence um we will tell them upfront. If they um, wouldn't mind, you know, sacrificing a bit of a bit of privacy, then uh, we were very welcome for them to join us. Sometimes they would uh, prefer a private office. Yes, that will you know gives you a bit more privacy, but still, you know, people you know walk around in front of your uh, private office door. It's just very difficult to um, protect you from hundred you know, percent privacy right. and yeah if yeah. businesses really want to go for that like hundred percent total privacy i would actually recommend them to so go for you know traditional offices yeah. yes. Right? yes
2: and how would you comment on the co-working space business environment in hong kong because there are a lot of companies like you or similar to you to your business so um is the market growing or is near the saturation point
1: it's crazy <laughs> um I've started two and a half years ago and back then, I think there were 20 to 30 operators. Well, it sounds a lot, but it isn't really a lot. Um, So ever since, I think up to this very moment, uh, we have at least doubled, if not tripled, number of operators. So that's quite a lot. Um, And the amount of spaces, it it drastically increased a lot. So um, right now, is it saturated? Yes, perhaps, at this very moment. Um, I would say supply, it's currently outrunning demand for sure. Um, But we do see um, a growing trend of um, medium-sized companies, like companies around 20 to 50 headcounts. They are actually moving into co-working spaces right now. So it's it's kind of interesting. And um, I think somehow the demand will catch up, especially when we have this new force uh, coming in. Um, and eventually, I, I still see a lot of potential in this industry, to be honest.
2: Um, right. And I assume one of the biggest challenges for you it's the rent cost because your client essentially don't want to get into that. But you take on all these rent um, um, fluctuation and high cost. So how, how do you deal
1: with it? Um, it, it's, it? It does get tough sometimes, um, especially when the landlord doesn't understand what we're doing. Um, it really—it's uh, it, way too difficult if they just couldn't understand why. Uh, well, what we are doing—they um, couldn't understand why we need such a long lease, for example—that um, would be a problem for us. But luckily, um, the the real estate agents in Hong Kong are actually quite professional. Um, they did quite a good job in educating a lot of landlords, especially the larger companies, larger landlords. I—I um, I, I would say it's not that challenging. Actually if you got if you have the right help um, at the moment the part of the reason why there are a lot of operators growing is because real age the real estate agents are doing pretty, a pretty good job uh, managing both you know expectations uh, managing the term to make sure um, the co-working space have enough protection to survive um, and the landlord won't lose too much you know profitability so it, it's actually all right at the moment yes.
0: You just heard our listener Geoffrey, who has founded his own co-working space company, talking about some of the difficulties he faces and his financial objectives. Jimmy Lam went to speak to Michael Glancy, Director of Office Leasing at Jones Lang LaSalle, to see what advice he could offer.
2: So would you agree with uh, Jeffrey's assessment about the current supply and demand of the co-working space development?
3: Yes, well, we at JLL are seeing huge expansion of co-working space across Hong Kong in terms of from 2018 we're seeing at least 14 new sites coming to the market which is totally over 600,000 square feet so to put that in perspective that's approximately 60 percent of the the current market of co-working. Uh, With moving forward and the competition with the new space all coming into the market uh, we're going more so from originally co-working when it started I think people thought it was more just for new setups or small, very small businesses, but we're seeing that evolve quite quickly. Obviously, co-working is still relatively new uh, over the last four or five years, Um, but now corporates are also considering that as well and seeing an opportunity for themselves to put part of their real estate portfolio in that type of environment. And uh, as an outsider, we think that, okay, those suppliers of
2: the uh, co-working space, they don't have so much differentiation among themselves. So what would decide what uh, which company will sus- be successful? Which one will fo- fail,
3: do you think? That's a, that's a great question. And we would definitely say differentiation is going to be key to whoever is going to win the battle. Yeah. Um, and it's very much down to not all businesses are run the same. Uh, so there'll be some boutique co-working providers and then maybe some of the more global players. So they'll be running their businesses very different. And uh, what we're, we'll see, no matter whether it's a large more corporate-focused global player such as a, a WeWork, um, it's creating that community. That it sounds a lot of buzzwords, but it is creating a community mm-hmm. when encourages collaboration, uh, innovation, which is attractive not only to the new setups and small companies, but but the corporates as well. Um, and that's really the key of who can attract these corporates to fill all this new supply coming up in the market over the next eighteen months. But also technology. We're seeing technology evolve at a very fast rate, so that's not just in co-working, but by creating an online community, we're seeing again a lot of the the co-working providers creating an app that can not only uh, connect people with networking, but helps cross-selling, promoting brands, Uh, a range of different ideas are coming through and that's changing almost on a weekly basis. Um, market coverage as mentioned so a lot of the global par- players are expanding at a, at a fast rate but I was actually at a, a GLL event yesterday and WeWork were attending and mentioned they f- they see Asia, they've only scratched the surface of Asia compared oh, wow. to more established markets from their point of view so they, they're very excited to continue to expand across the Asia Pacific um, and as part of that Hong Kong is a big part to play so we expect to see more happening there and then cost, it, it, it's going to hit people's pockets, yeah, so again, what cost it's going to incur for the end user is going to be key of who helps to win. Yeah, you mentioned cost just now, and I think Jeffrey mentioned
2: in a previous interview that getting the long-term lease is one big difficulty to persuade the landlord to, uh, to, to, uh, to provide them the space. So um, would you have any advice uh, on that?
3: Well, JLL research shows that vacancy is is low across Hong Kong, um, especially in the more established uh, districts, I would say, like Central. We're looking at Core Central at 0.9% vacancy at the moment, so it's very difficult for anyone with a lease. In a landlord-favorable market, such as Hong Kong at present, (laughs) it is more challenging to get favorable terms for tenants, and that's why starting the process early and identifying opportunities, and there are opportunities coming up, We're seeing some new supply. Uh, A lot of landlords are looking at, say, Causeway Bay. There's some new buildings that have been coming up there. Uh, Tai Koo Place. Mm. Um, Also then across to uh, Cullen East. So there are landlords
0: that are open to giving more, longer lease. That was Michael Glancy, Director of Office Leasing at Jones Lang LaSalle. Four weeks ago on Money Talk Extra, we talked about investing in art. For high net worth investors who are looking to further diversify their portfolio, wine offers an asset class similar to art. So what are the opportunities? I'm joined now by Christian Lopez, Apex CEO and Global Head of Exports at Vina Concha y Toro, which is Chile's leading wine producer and the second largest vineyard owner in the world. Good morning, Christian. Good morning. Good to be here. Thank you. Now, what sort of trends are you seeing in the wine industry at the moment?
2: Well, if if, there is a constant, it's change. And I think in the last years we've seen so many changes, especially in the behavior of consumers towards wine. There's a a regained interest in many markets, uh, predominantly China, uh, and that's being really headed by by young consumers, which is very interesting for for companies like us that we're dedicated to producing wine, uh, dedicated to producing good quality wine, but we need to adapt as